Nearly 40 million people in the Democratic Republic of Congo are getting ready to vote in the presidential election, which is taking place on the 20th of December. So who's standing in the elections? What are some of the main issues? And what security arrangements should you have in place to protect your workforce over the election period? Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, in this episode, I'm joined by our Security Director for Information and Analysis, Adam Lakani, and Kiana Kataria, our Lead Security Analyst for West and Central Africa. But Adam, I wanted to start by asking you, what are some of the key dates to watch out for over the next month or so? Yes, of course. So for context, these are general elections. Voters in the DRC will be electing the president and members of the national and provincial assemblies, as well as municipal councils. Campaigning is currently ongoing and will conclude one day before the vote. So that's the uh, the 19th of December. And then, of course, we have the polling day on the 20th. And it's really around this period that we expect to see that tensions will begin to rise, especially if there are any claims of electoral irregularities. According to the official calendar, provincial results must be released by the 3rd of January. However, in reality, the first voting trends will become apparent probably within about 48 hours of the votes, and preliminary results will likely be out by the end of December. During this period, we expect an uptick in social unrest as people begin to react to the initial results. Following that, we have the announcement of the official results on the 10th of January, And then finally, the inauguration of the president-elect on the 20th of January. Akira, can you talk us through some of the main candidates? Yes, of course. Well, there are more than 20 candidates in the running, but I'd say that there are four main contenders. So we, of course, have President Felix Tshisekedi, who is seeking re-election. Tshisekedi came to power following disputed elections in 2018 when he succeeded Joseph Kabila, who was the president at the time. And this election was widely perceived as fraudulent. Martin Fayulu, who came second, actually claimed that he was the rightful winner and accused Tshisekedi of negotiating a power-sharing deal with outgoing President Kabila. And actually, his claims were supported by several international and domestic observers. And what's interesting is that Fayulu is running again in this election. However, if we compare the situation now to in 2018, we can say that his support has diminished somewhat and he is a bit more isolated, at least at the political level. So at this stage, I'd say that Chiskedi's main challenger is Moise Katumbi. He's a prominent businessman and also the former governor of the mineral-rich Katanga province. And finally, we also have Dr. Dennis Mukwege. He does not come from a political background, but he's rather known for his efforts to end the use of sexual violence as a weapon of war and armed conflict. And he is running as an independent candidate. But what we've seen in recent weeks is that there have been some attempts by the opposition to unite, to increase their chances of unseating Chiskedi. However, as of yet, this has not resulted in the nomination of a common opposition candidate. And currently, it looks as if separate alliances are being formed around Katumbi and Fuyulu. So we're now halfway through the campaign period. What do you think are some of the issues that will dominate these elections? Well, a key issue has been the perceived bias of political institutions, particularly the Electoral Commission. 
So the 2018 election process in many ways served to undermine the public's trust in the independence of the Electoral Commission. And since then, we've also had a number of controversial developments. So, for example, in 2021, Chisikedi appointed Dennis Kadima as the head of the Electoral Commission. And this decision drew a lot of criticism as Kadima is seen by many as an ally of the president. And if we look at the upcoming elections, preparations for the vote have also been criticised. So in the spring, opposition parties denounced the voter registration process, which was carried out by the Electoral Commission. Specifically, they accused the commission of inflating the electoral role in favour of the ruling party. There were a number of protests held over this issue back in May, and many of these were banned by the authorities. And those that proceeded regardless were then violently suppressed, with more than 30 people injured in Kinshasa alone. We've also seen a number of arrests and violence targeting opposition figures, particularly members of Katumbi's party. So in a notable incident in July, his spokesperson was found dead in Kinshasa with gunshot wounds. Investigations are still ongoing, but Katumbi's party claimed that this was a political assassination. And in addition to this, we've seen some arrests targeting journalists perceived to be critical of Chiskedi's rule. So as a result of all of this, there's really this perception that the authorities are attempting a crackdown on the opposition ahead of the elections. And Adam, I understand that there are also concerns about the deteriorating security situation in the eastern provinces. Yes. So while there are over 100 active militia groups in that part of the country, the M23 group has has received the most attention, especially given its resurgence and ability to capture towns and villages in proximity to Goma, which is the capital of North Kivu province. And what we saw in the spring was that insecurity linked to the M23 activity actually interfered with the voter registration exercise. Local reports indicate that around 1 million citizens in North Kivu were unable to obtain voter cards. More recently, there's been a clear uptick in the clashes between M23 and the Congolese army, as well as armed local self-defence militias. To add to what is already quite a serious situation, the East Africa Community Force, which was deployed in 2022 to tackle M23, has now been asked to withdraw from the country as it has been deemed ineffective by the Congolese government. While there are plans to replace this force, no clear timelines have been announced. So this is also a worrying sign as it will leave an immediate gap which the army might struggle to fill. And rebel groups may well see the elections as an opportunity to ramp up their attacks. So this obviously raises some serious concerns as to how voting will be able to proceed in areas that have been affected by this type of violence. Akerna, what about the EU's decision to withdraw its election observer mission to the DRC? What effect could that have on proceedings? Yeah, so this decision was announced just last week and was reportedly made after the Congolese authorities blocked observers from using satellite equipment as part of their deployment. The EU said that this has made it difficult for their staff to conduct their mission in a safe and independent manner. And given that this was the largest mission that was meant to oversee the conduct of the elections, this could also have a negative impact on the public's perception of the legitimacy of the electoral process. Considering the issues that you've both raised, what's International SOS's outlook for the elections and what can organisations operating in DRC expect during the election period? 
Whilst campaigning intensifies, we expect to see an uptick in violence between party supporters and against individual candidates. So much of this unrest will take place around campaign events. So just to give a recent example, last week, a youth leader from Katumbi's party was killed and several others injured during a campaign event in the city of Kindu when clashes broke out with activists belonging to Chiskedi's UDPS party. But as mentioned earlier, we assess that the risk of unrest will really reach a peak around polling day and the release of the results. So during the final week of December, that will be quite a sensitive period. In terms of the outcome, we currently assess that Chiskedi maintains an overall advantage. And this is due to a number of different factors, such as the currently fractured nature of the opposition, but also his leverage over key institutions. It's worth keeping in mind that this is a single round election with a first past the post system. And so when you have a fragmented opposition, such a voting system clearly benefits the incumbent. But regardless of the outcome, we have to keep in mind that there's a high level of public mistrust in the electoral process. So any results announced by the Electoral Commission are likely to be challenged and result in some level of protest activity. And if we look to previous elections, what we've seen is that the authorities might decide to suspend access to telecommunications during periods of significant or sustained unrest. So that's also something that our client organisations need to keep in mind. So, so Adam, given what we've just heard there, what are the potential flashpoints in major cities, for example? So in the capital, Kinshasa, we've identified several flashpoints. So the first is in the district of Gombe, which is situated along the banks of the Congo River. It's an affluent area of the city with multiple commercial and state enterprises operating in the area. There are also multiple hotels there, um, and it's the headquarters of Monusco. So further south, we also have the University of Kinshasa, which is a usual flashpoint for protests. And to the southwest of there, uh, the ECIDE headquarters. In addition to this, polling stations and other areas where crowds congregate will also be at risk of experiencing unrest. So leaving Kinshasa and zooming out, so we're moving 1,500 kilometers southeast to Lubumbashi. This is the second largest city in the country. We are assessing the Gulf District as a potential flashpoint location. And similarly to the Gombe district, the presence of commercial and state institutions here as well as uh, higher educational facilities all constitute an area for for large numbers of people to gather and being potential flashpoints. So, Adam, what would be our recommendations for security managers as we close in then on this election period? So we strongly advise that our clients defer non-essential inbound travel starting from the 16th of December until at least the 6th of January 2024. Of course, a big part of this for our clients is to consult internally and for them to understand themselves what classifies as essential versus non-essential travel. This will ensure there's no confusion during this period. Immediately prior to the election and the day after, we advise that all travel is avoided due to the risk of reports of voting irregularity circulating. We see this time and time again across many countries across the African continent. Recurring factors include technical issues with voting machines, which we witnessed in the 2018 elections, logistical issues where voters claim to have been denied access to polling stations, and then also volume management of voters in understaffed locations. This can result in polling stations being forced to close when people have not had a chance to vote or delayed voting due to polling stations needing to remain open to allow everyone to vote. 
So both scenarios, as you can imagine, can result in immediate and also in indirect frustrations from voters. Next, we recommend that the situation of international assignees is considered. If business operations can continue with international assignees working from outside of the country, that is our recommendation. If you're not Congolese and you're not voting, then the safest place for you to be is outside of DR Congo during this period. And Kiana, with regards to the organisations that we work with, do you have any advice for their workforce on what to watch out for? Yeah, so there are a number of escalatory triggers that organisations should be monitoring during the election period. And this is really a crucial part of one's election-related planning, because if one or more of these triggers are met, then it might actually indicate a need to change one's security posture. One such important trigger would be any further perceived attempts by the authorities to crack down on opposition activity. So things like restrictions on opposition gatherings or any further arrests targeting prominent opposition figures. Similarly, we assess that tensions are likely to increase if the security forces are perceived to be partisan. So if they use tough measures to disperse opposition gatherings, particularly if this results in casualties among protesters, that's certainly something that would heighten tensions. Following the vote, it will be critical to monitor for any statements made by the main candidates. If they come out and publicly allege fraud or reject the outcome, then this is likely to fuel protests with the potential for unrest. And we have two triggers that are linked to the security situation in the East. As mentioned before, over the past two months or so, we've seen that M23 has been able to capture new towns and villages in North Kivu, just north of Goma. And for us, if they were to capture the towns of Sake or Kibumba, then that would represent a significant escalation. And that's because these two locations are just 15 to 20 kilometers north of Goma. So that would then indicate an increased risk to workforce deployed to Goma. So besides the risk of M23 potentially attempting an attack on Goma, which represents the worst case scenario, there are also more credible scenarios that we have to consider. So the secondhand effects of such fighting, including the displacement of civilians. What we've seen in the past is really that when M23 capture new towns and villages, that often triggers the displacement of civilians towards Goma. And then what we might see in turn is protest activity in Goma because of growing frustration with the security situation and the perceived ineffectiveness of the government response to this. And such protests can also turn unruly. They are likely to target government buildings, but also offices and assets linked to the UN mission in the country, so MINUSCO. Finally, it's worth mentioning that a further increase in rebel violence ahead of the elections could also prompt the postponement of the vote in parts of the East. Worth keeping in mind that the opposition does enjoy a high level of support in that part of the country. So this is something which would really add to long-standing perceptions of political marginalisation. Whilst people might be able to accept a short delay of, say, a week or two, an extended or an indefinite delay would most likely result in, in some protests and unrest as well. So that's another key trigger to look out for. Okay, Kerner, Adam, thank you so much for all your analysis and advice.
Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder that you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates for the Democratic Republic of Congo from our website at internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres. They're available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.